Hello all and welcome to the first episode of Creatives Uncut. I'm your host Chris Miller and in this podcast series I sit down and have a casual conversation with local creatives from the southeast corner of Queensland and northern end of New South Wales. In the first episode I sit down with Brisbane-based ceramicist Nicolette Johnson. Nicolette's first solo show was at the end of 2018 and has seen a meteoric rise since then. Last year, Nicolette won the handcrafted category for the inaugural Design Files Design Awards, whilst also being selected as a finalist for both the Churchy National Emerging Artists Prize and the Little Things Art Prize. Late last year, myself and videographer friend Dean Swindell were fortunate enough to be toured around her home studio in Brisbane. So there's a short two-minute video alongside this podcast which showcases a little bit of what Nicolette's day-to-day life is like. Oh, and one more thing. We haven't really got the best audio equipment to record on site. It's also our first endeavour into podcasting. So I hope you can bear with us as there are ways we're going to improve and hopefully we will improve. So I'll shut up. Let's tune into the conversation. Yeah, so I was always really interested in art. It's never really a scientific minded person, not really mm. good at math, and so I just gravitated towards like theatre and, and art and yeah. um, really enjoyed that in high school. Yeah. And so I, yeah, I, it, I applied for a bunch of different things and then got into the photography course at QCA, so I was like, yeah. cool, I would love to do that. Mm. Um, yeah, so I did that. It started in 2008 and then did four years, um, did an honours year in 2011, graduated, um, majoring in photojournalism. Yeah. And then kind of like it was a natural um, progression into like doing lifestyle photo shoots and like wedding photography and things like that because it's still kind of like documentary. Yeah. And is you know good way to make money Mm. and um so that just started and then you kind of like get word of mouth and then you kind of just fall into that career yeah um yeah but I was struggling with the I was struggling with that work doing that all the time there was a lot of pressure and I decided to do to take like a ceramics class, like like a once a week class right. in West End. Well, this is why you're doing photography. While I was doing photography, so like, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I was just... Um, trying something else out. Yeah, just trying to ha- do something that was a bit of a break. And I thought maybe like the opposite of photography, to just give my like yeah. eyes a break and like my... You know, you're just in front of a screen a lot and yeah. kind of... I don't know, just like doing, making something with your hands, I thought was just like the complete opposite of doing wedding photography. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And then um, what I enjoyed about it at first when, you know, I was just taking once a week classes was like, there was like no stakes. Like if you messed up, (laughs) it's fine. You just just like throw it away and and do it again. And like everything that everyone's making is ugly because they're all learning and so you're just like <laughs> oh your ball sucks and like my yeah. ball sucks and like everything is just like yeah um yeah but it was just great like uh, art therapy really like yeah. kind of um 
yeah, getting to do something that is really tactile and yeah, like I said, low stakes, didn't really worry about messing up. Um, and then I just started wanting to go more often. Mm. Like, so like, and I lived in South Brisbane at the time, so I just ride my bike down to the yeah. um, studio and I, we would, I would go twice a week and then I started making stuff at home and like bringing it into the studio to get fired and stuff. Um, and I started doing more of that and trying to do less photography. So were you selling stuff early on or were you just still, still just kind of like doing it as a side gig? And it was, really it, yeah, it was, um, I started yeah. selling stuff, um, like bowls and cups and mugs and things like that. Um, little vases that I would make and I mean none of it was like very good mm -hmm. but I think uh, especially like on Instagram and stuff people kind of latch on to things and like I think ceramics was something that just like boomed yeah and people were like true. a lot of pots all yeah. of a sudden yeah. you know <laughs> and yeah. like but it was good timing for me because um, I was doing this transition from photography to ceramics and then it just kind of naturally switched over almost mm. and I started selling things to stores and like like wholesaling and things like that yeah. and then started making things for exhibitions and then yeah. I decided that I could do it full time <laughs> and I was like yeah screw photography I don't want to do yeah. that anymore yeah. I want to make pots for a living <laughs> yeah. It was, it, yeah, it was, for other people it sounds like it's like a crazy life choice to, to well, just make ceramics. it is it, it, yeah because <laughs> like I I don't know too many potters that um, can make a living just doing mm. pottery um, I, a lot of my friends have like side jobs and yeah. like they work other you know four days a week doing something and then yeah. they make pots uh, on the other days and yeah, and that's great like um, but I didn't want to do that yeah <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, it was, it, it was a little, um, I think it was easier for me to make the decision because I had, had already worked for myself yeah. for a while. And so I wasn't really scared about like quitting a job yeah. and doing like working for myself. So I mm. was kind of used to like how to motivate myself to mm. do the work and like get things done and, you know, not just on the couch all day. I think that's probably like, one of the, 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 the creative's hardest challenges, the, that like ability to get up every day and just do the work when yeah. you know you don't have to in reality, yeah. but at the same time just yeah. You're keeping like, I can focused. Do it tomorrow if I, yeah. No one's like, no one's no, like, no pressure. like over my back, like yeah. breathing down my neck or it's anything. It's not 9 to 5, Monday to Friday, like, yeah. you kind of make your own hour. So it's, it's the hardest thing I think for me specifically has been that. It's like, a double-edged sword, yeah. for sure. Like, Freedom, but, yeah, to be I do. I there are moments where I'm procrastinating. I'm just like, you really <laughs> should just get off your ass and start working. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it it's nice to have the freedom to set your own hours too, and like you know sometimes I'll start work at noon and then work into the evening. Yeah. And just like finish when I'm tired, you know. Yeah. So that's nice too, cause the it's nice to just be able to work when you're feeling creative. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I yeah. think that for me, that's one of the challenging things has been traditionally learning nine to five, Monday to Friday, but working for yourself now, you determine your own hours. The first couple of months, I was worried that I was not doing enough work, so mm. I started timing when I was working. Yeah. I was commissioned before, I was working 38 hours a week, 
to 45. Now, I, I don't think I work that much, but I'm doing 70 hours a week, a week yeah. like billable hours that I could, yeah. I could kind of say that's what that's what that's de dedicated to these two yeah. projects. But I don't feel like I'm working 70 hours. I feel like I'm working about 20. No, because you're like enjoying moments, what you're doing. Yeah. yeah. There's definitely moments where you're like, uh, this is tedious. I have to do, but I have to do this. Yeah. But it's also. If I wanted a break from it, I just get up. I just get up and walk away, and I can go for a walk. Or yeah, something else. yeah. The funny there thing about a, clay, sorry, go ahead. You go. Well, about clay is that like you, there's like a, a time frame that you have to work yeah. in, yeah. or else like all the all the time that you put into it before is like wasted. Yeah. Um, yeah, because it'll dry out, and you really have to like if you start something, you gotta finish it, yeah. or else like <laughs> yeah. yeah, you've just wasted like three days of like, yeah, yeah, like hard labor so. so with that the piece that we were looking at earlier today like yeah. how long would you spend doing that kind of a piece is that like so that's so it's quite a complicated shape yeah. so the first thing there's a few things that take quite a long time and the first thing is is um like engineering it like yeah. figuring out what shape is going to work to to translate the drawing the sketch of it yeah. How to translate that into a three D object? Yeah. Um, and so, like figuring that out takes a while, and that's that's um, a lot of like trial and error as well. Like pieces that I've made before have like failed, and you kind of like rip off the top half and like start again, you know. And um, so that that takes a little while, and then I mean, physically sculpting all of those protrusions and putting mm. them on one by one. Is a really long process, yeah. and then when it is a kind of a um, complicated shape with like a lot of like uh, curves and edges and things like that, figuring out um, how to place those pieces so that it looks natural. Yeah, I know it's like it's, it's very know. repetitive. It looks almost robotic, but it is still quite yeah. And like I mean, the one behind the two behind you, that that first one on the right hand side, does look. It's it's sort of amazing how. It's it's clearly made by hand, but it also has this very very repetitive, yeah, uh, robotic look to it, which is which is amazing. So something I'm really um, interested in when I'm making these pe these works um, is like symmetry in nature, mm. and how you can get these incredibly perfect like fractals mm. in plants or yeah. shells yeah. or things like that. Um, and it looks like it's been made by a perfect like computer. Yeah. Like it's yeah. been like mm. coded out and like yeah. it's, it well and it has been, you yeah. know, by yeah. by nature. But um, it's yeah, unbelievable how how perfect some of these these forms can be. And that's what I enjoy not replicating but like um, the same idea of like I want it to look like it's supposed to be like that. Like, mm. obviously, if you make a decision to have one row of protrusions be one size, and then the next row of protrusions, if it's too small, it'll look really weird. Yeah. So yeah. it needs to have, like, a really gradual progression of, like, really large and then smaller and smaller and smaller. And that is something that I do by eye. Yeah. And, like... Amazing. And that's just practice too, and like yeah. just like being probably anal about yeah. it, like <laughs> you know, yeah. a bit of a perfectionist. And really committed to it. Yeah, yeah. That the way that those 
the how they fold in back into themselves. I, I can imagine turning that on the wheel would just be like um, you ever seen those gifs where it's like an image rotating and yep. it looks like it's moving, but yeah. the wheels are just because of I the love size watching of it. things like uh, that. Yeah. yeah, that like looking in that white one that's in there is like it's 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 like trippy on your eyes yeah. how much yeah. it I love that. draws you in. The, yeah, it's, it's cool. fantastic how they how you can do that by hand as well. Um, so what what has been your kind of like process creatively? How do you start when you're coming up with something new? Mm. What is your sort of? Well, I think I've always been really interested in decoration. Yeah. And like mm. ornamentation on parts. Um, when I started learning, like the best, the, the best, most useful thing I've learned is how to put a handle on a mug, <laughs> and like uh, I was really pestering my pottery teacher to like, can you teach us how to put something on something else? Because yeah. like throwing, uh, for me, just making forms on a wheel, um, I love wheel throwing, mm. but for me the real pleasure is like adding on to a pot and I don't know why. I think <laughs> I, it's just very satisfying to me to add and add and add until you know the pot is like sufficiently decorated I, yeah. I don't know um some people decorate by carving in yeah, some people yeah. decorate by painting on and i think i just enjoy decorating by adding things mm. physically onto the pot um and yeah so it started honestly i think i've just become more patient with yeah. the with the each individual work um because you know, a year ago, I would have never sat for a week mm, on the same, on the one thing. I just, yeah. also probably because I have gotten better at like firing works and more confident in like how that whole process works. And I think, you know, if I had spent a week on the same thing, I would have just been terrified that it would have failed in the kiln or exploded or like the glaze would have been wrong. and. So there's so many things that can just happen that you have no control over in the kiln. And becoming more confident in how I apply the glaze and I know what it's gonna look like kind of when it comes out. Or I know how the glaze is going to uh, run in the kiln. And so I'm okay with spending a week on something because I know it'll, it'll come out. I know how to ensure that it doesn't like fail I mean like <laughs> so far <laughs> yeah. um but yeah so I think um that's that's mainly why I've the pots have just become more and more intricate and ornate is because I've become more confident in the time that I put into it it will be it won't be a waste of time yeah so now, like, one pot would take about a week. Oh, uh, yeah. It depends on how big it is. Like, if it's, a, if it's like, a small little vase. Like, the ones, um, the smaller ones at Museum of Brisbane, uh, I could, I can cover those in, like, a, a two days. Um, That's pretty quick. Yeah. I just, like, yeah, I, like, just put on a podcast and just, like, binge something and just sit there for, like, eight hours and do it. Um... But uh, something quite large that is like in multiple pieces that I, I'll build kind of like after it's been fired, um, I would definitely spend like a week or two on things like that. Yeah. 
So when starting out with a, like that new design that you're working on now, what's what's the first thing that you go to when creating something like that? Is it the sketching? Are you mm. like trying to draw some inspiration from some sort of natural forms, or like what is that? What's that first spark? How do you start that? Yeah. So the um, I sketch a lot of the pieces that I make before I make them, um, and really it's just to kind of get. Um, get a good sense of the proportions and, and what looks good on paper. You know, if the if I'll draw something and if the base is too wide, I'll like narrow it and like get everything looking good on paper um, before I start to try and make it. Um, so, and all the sketches that I do tend to kind of like evolve from the last one. So I'll, I'll start with a sketch of something and maybe like then the next one I'll like exaggerate the lip and then the next one I'll exaggerate the shoulders of the pot or the belly of the pot and then what I'll end up with is like a, a really weird kind of bastardized version of a vase or something like going forward like um, what I have kind of like planned in my head and on paper there I like I want to make them weirder and weirder. More exaggerated. Yeah, yeah, a little bit more sculptural, maybe less vase-like. Yeah. Um, I think I'd still like to keep them as vases. So like, technically you could use them. I don't don't know how easy it would be to use them as a as a vase. Um, because with things like the lips curling in on itself can't really get water out of there it's like a trap for the water and um, pieces like the one I'm working on now they're, they're gonna be so big and heavy that you wouldn't really use them yeah definitely but you could if yeah. you really wanted to <laughs> yeah I feel like putting a flower or something in it is probably uh, it's gonna detract from what the vase is already you know? yeah and that, that's kind of like the 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 point of all the decoration and the excessive like ornamentation of yeah. the pot it's um yeah it's it's the flower itself mm, you know yeah. it doesn't need anything else so as you talk about the nature thing like the the center it does look like the center of a um sunflower say with the way that when yeah they, when they first exactly. come out there, this spiraling kind of thing which is all about scale and, and repetition yeah. which is a lot to do with what you do yeah yeah so what i was gonna say was like how do you ever make just pots like, I need a plate, I'm going to make one. Or do you just yeah. buy them? No, I I wish I could. Um, I just... I have before. I've got a lot of my own little cups and yeah, yeah. mugs and stuff. Um, uh, but I don't really make a lot of functional wear. Um, I but prefer... beauty is function though, isn't it, really? It's true. True, yeah. true, true. Yeah. Functional wear, like yeah. tableware and yeah. stuff like that. Um, it's funny that it's called, it's just called functional wear, like... Yeah, it, it, is it actually just called functional yeah, wear? Yeah, like, yeah, 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 functional wear, table wear. Oh, uh, yeah, um, yeah, I guess. Yeah, but I, I much prefer to buy, to purchase those things mm. from potters who, like, make that stuff for yeah. a living. Mm. Um, it's nice, it's nice buying, like, a mug as, like, a little keepsake from, mm. from somewhere, like, the, um... In May, I was in Hobart for the Australian Ceramics Triennale, yeah, yeah. which was awesome. There was mm. like hundreds of potters there. And that's where I like to buy stuff like yeah. that, like yeah. coffee cups and um, little bowls and plates and stuff, because mm. 
the people that make those things are there selling them and yeah. it's great to like buy your stuff from from them as opposed to like going to Kmart and buying yeah, like your two dollar that's such a hard set. world isn't it that competitive world with like cheap stuff and then stuff that's actually kind of made by another person yeah. it's very hard yeah. to because you have to you have to pay yourself like you have mm -hmm. to like make you know get paid for the time that you put into making this the these things and like you know it it's the same amount of time making a, a bowl you know as it is making you know a little vase or something and mm. and you know your bowl you can't really unless you're like Gwen Hansen Piggott who's like her work is like oh, right, yeah. in Goma and stuff yeah. um, and the, her, her she has the these still life sets that are cups and mugs and bottles and bowls and plates and things and like they they're like yeah twenty thousand dollars dollars yeah amazing wow. amazing wow. um but yeah if 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 you're a potter that's making cups and and bowls and plates and and dinnerware and tableware and stuff must it would be hard yeah to, um You'd have it, you'd have to really your production would just have to be massive. Massive volume. Um, a lot of people, I, yeah, hire like studio assistants to help yeah, them like just produce stuff. Just, like yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you know what? It's amazing because um, a lot of restaurants now are I find are really appreciating handmade. Yeah, definitely. Handmade uh, platters and plates and bowls and stuff a lot more and. Yeah. Um, I think that's awesome because it, it makes the food look better. Yeah. And yeah. it's just more special. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think everybody, like, they're trying to get some point of difference because there's so many restaurants, so many bars and cafes. How do you get a point of difference? It's the way that yeah. you fit it out and the yeah. way that you uh, decorate that space. Yeah, exactly. You decorate it with even just bowls and plates. Is definitely. Yeah. So a white plate only. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's still so like going to be stuff like that, but it's great that there is like ceramics is becoming like a little, a little bit more ubiquitous. People are happy to use. Ceramics in there, like I know uh, a friend of mine did uh, yeah full coffee shop plates, bowls, and uh, and coffee cups and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. All of it, yeah. hundreds of them. So that's awesome. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. Yeah. and I really admire um, I really admire potters that that do like that production yeah. pottery, mm. making bowls and plates and cups because mm. that's hard work. Like yeah. Yeah. the same thing over and over. I mean, it's kind of similar in the you rolling those. Yeah, it is. Right. But my the, my thing is constantly changing. Yeah. As okay, it yeah. as it progresses. It's not like you're and done. And that's a, that's okay again. with me. Like yeah. that that kind of like helps me uh, keep going. Um, I've I have done a few jobs that were like two hundred of the same thing over and over again. Whoa, what was that for? Um, I was making like um, candle holders, uh, candle okay. things. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, I can't. Can't yeah. do it physically. It's really hard. Like yeah. you get really sore. Yeah, because you just got to hold those same positions over and over. Is yeah. spin or turn, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah, you just have to take so many breaks. Like yeah, like to stretch and stuff. Um, but then also, I just, I just can't get in the zone with mm -hmm. that. Yeah. But with these things that I'm doing, I don't know. It's different. I don't know why. Because it is in the fact that things do evolve slowly yeah, and there's yeah, like yeah. a challenge there's like a reward yeah. every single time yeah. every row I go up there's like a reward of like yeah. it looks cool like yeah. it's looking cool a slow like, reveal yeah it? yeah, yeah it is it is uh, that's nice yeah I've done throwing on a pot throwing on a wheel once before and it is like so it's like completely zen 
it, I was, yeah. it was amazing. I, I can't not think about something else when I'm doing something. I'm always like in my head somewhere else, but for the first time ever, I sat down and I was just focusing on trying to raise the liver a little yeah. bit. And it yeah. was the only thing I could think about, so it's such a rewarding thing. Yeah. D just doing the throwing part of it. Yeah, that's probably why so it hooked focused. me. Yeah. Because like, you, you really do just zone out and you, you get into this like kind of like zone that you, you're making the bowl and you really are not thinking about anything else. Mm. Just that. It's surprising how rewarding that feeling is of just not thinking about anything but the yeah, thing that's right really in front nice. of you. Very hard to do as well in a lot of areas. I guess that's why people meditate. It's like a form of meditation. It is, yeah, yeah, I think so. Definitely. Yeah. So do you throw, how big do you throw uh, your wheels. I know you were doing coiling before, but do you, you actually? Throw yeah. Them? So, so these these works are. Um, I I use kind of a mix of techniques. Yeah. Um, what I will so for this one that I'm working on now, it's it's a little strange to explain because I start with it upside down. Oh, so yeah. I'll throw like the, the the little kind of bell shape that is there, mm -hmm. and then I'll bring it in, and that's the base. Yeah. And then. I'll let it firm up, I'll cut it off the wheel, and then put all the base Seriously. balls on, <laughs> let it dry, flip it over, and then I'll build it up. Right. You, you coil. Don't, oh, so you don't throw, oh, okay, right. No, no, it's, it's like coil throwing. So, like, I will, I'll roll a few coils out, put them on the vase, and then blend them, you know, together. Mm. And then I'll use, like, Slip water yeah, yeah. and then kind of throw it up so that they're really, really solid. Yeah. So that really strengthens the the bond mm. between the, all of the coils. Um, and then I'll smooth it out with like a wooden rib. Um, oh, yeah. So yeah. that uh, kind of like further kind of compresses the clay and yeah. like makes it nice and smooth. Yeah. yeah and then I'll just keep repeating that uh, process until I've got the right shape for the for the form. Mm. And then once that's done then I'll continue putting the protrusions on. Yeah. Yeah, so that's a bit of a weird one because there's just so many different little um, sections that I have to complete before the thing's finished. Yeah. Um, for a really simple vase like the ones that were in Museum of Brisbane. Yeah. So that's just, um, I'll, I'll throw like a little bowl shape for the vase and then use a hairdryer to like firm it up so uh, that it's yeah. not like really wet. Yeah. And then I'll put coils up, like up until the top and then I'll put the coils down yeah. into the lip. That's the last coils that doesn't really down. Sense, that, but <laughs> that, sense me, that, that last bit coming down, like, that's kind of challenging. Yeah, it's a bit that's tricky. A little, yeah. Um, yeah, it takes a little bit of practice to kind of make yeah. sure that the thing doesn't collapse yeah, like completely. Um, it's really just about making sure that you're not going too quickly so that you're not putting too much weight too soon. Oh, yeah, okay. So you're um, to try and dry it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of you just have to just have a little bit of patience. and. Yeah. Yeah. Which I have learned, like. Yeah. Yeah. I've had a lot of things collapse on me that yeah. we're just like, no, not gonna, not working. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know, I've seen that a post on Instagram where you're talking about you'd worked on a pot for so long and then it just uh, collapsed oh, and you dropped it or something. I like dropped that. it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Devastating. Yeah. yeah. That, um, you learn to let go. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like one of those things where. Did you just rebuild it or you just leave it? So, like, what happened was, is it's actually in my studio, it's the white one. Oh, That's okay, the right. one I dropped. Ah, yeah, so what yeah. happened was I it was really top heavy, 
to be honest, I don't know how I'm going to get it down to the kiln. All right. I'm like, really, I'm putting it off. Um, yeah, yeah. It kind of scares me now. But I lifted it up. And when it's wet, when you've just finished a, a pot, uh, it's still got a lot of water in the clay. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot heavier mm -hmm. than it would be if it was like just dried or yeah. like fired. Mm -hmm. That's when it's at the heaviest. And I picked it up and it was just top heavy and like it just, oh, just like fine. fell against the wall oh. <laughs> and like where I was holding it with my hands all of those little knobs fell oh, off and yeah. then like it had a big dent in the back of it and so I just made all of the little ones again and put them on and tried to fix the oh, okay. dent and so we'll see it's still not a done deal like I still have to get it down to the kiln I really don't know how I'm gonna do it. Yeah. <laughs> Usually what I do is I if there I have them on a piece of plywood or something, oh, yeah, I'll so carry it down. Yeah. But it, the thing has got such a narrow base and it's so top heavy. Yeah. I don't even want to think about doing it. Like sometimes I'll lie in bed and like going to sleep, I'll think about that those those problems. Like how am I going to glaze it? Like I'll go through all of the steps and like problem solve while I'm going to sleep and like figure out how where I need to put my hands to put it in the kiln and like... They must be hard because they have got like, you can't see the pots behind you. There's like a form that you can oh, hold yeah. on to. That yeah, you, there's you nothing like, there that'll break off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. A, you've got to like balance this thing and a lot of them tend to be very like narrow at the bottom edge yeah. and top heavy yeah. like they look. I like having the narrow bases because it, it looks like they're floating. Like it just yeah. kind of like makes them look lighter almost mm. by having that small base but yeah um practicality wise probably not the best yeah 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 i can I'd definitely i'd love to have one of these pots but i'd fear so much that just oh you just have to glue it person. down yeah, or something. Exactly. <laughs> yeah yeah i'd have to fix it cement it in like have a little form work on the bottom so that it's not gonna fall over yeah yeah i've had that discussion with um galleries as well oh how, yeah how are we gonna secure this down because oh, i can imagine you know, a lot of those plants are just like small little rectangles, yeah. and if you touch the bottom of it, I just feel like the whole thing's gone. Yeah. Do, have you ever had one break in a in a gallery? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> how was that conversation? Not very nice. Well, it was it was it was awful because it was um, it was my first solo exhibition, which was last October. First solo was last October. Mm -hmm. Wow, you've exploded in the last year, haven't you? It's, 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 it's been insane. a year. Yeah. It's been a bit of a year, yeah. First year um, last year. Yeah. <laughs> Still my mind. <laughs> yeah, wow. so I don't really understand what's happening, but... <laughs> yeah, um, I'm, I'm, I'm happy where he's going. Yeah, me too. I'm really, <laughs> I'm like, it's great. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a lot. Um, but it was, so the exhibition was for two weeks. And it was a little gallery in Brisbane, Paper Book Press. Oh, yeah. It's very, it's very small gallery, but um, you know, all my all the work was on t on tables and like against the wall and mm. stuff. There wasn't, there weren't many things that were like out in the open that people could Knock bump out, yeah, into. Bump accident, yeah. um, and it, honestly, it was horrible. It was the last day of the exhibition. Like the last day, the gallery was going to close at two, and. Um, a lot of the work had sold, uh, like a lot of it, which was awesome. Mm. Um, and a woman came in just by herself uh, at like noon or something, 
she was the only person in there, and it was her and the the um, person that was minding the gallery. Yeah. And she just bumped into one of the tables, and two really big pieces oh, no. toppled over. And I sold. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. They both sold, and then the the woman, so crazy. The woman fainted because she like I think she had like an anxiety yeah, attack yeah, about yeah. it. I can imagine that would get pretty intense. <laughs> and so she was on the floor of the gallery for like half an hour, I think. What? Yeah, and like they wow, called. That is a crazy show. Like it was horrible. <laughs> yeah. So that's happened. Yeah. Um, hasn't happened. Yeah. Which is really are you good. fixing them or like are you doing anything different or is you just leaving them as it is? Well, just, I don't know, they, I don't, it's just ceramics, they're fragile mm. and they can break and yeah. it just happens and like I don't think that they were anticipating anything like that so um, for example at the Museum of Brisbane they used like museum wax so that the pieces were like stabilized mm. and like stuck to the plinth, yeah. and there was also like perspex glass yeah, around it, but yeah. you couldn't even touch the work. Yeah. So like, and obviously they have more resources than like a, a, a little independent Brisbane gallery. Yeah. So yeah. it's just one of, like, one of those story, things yeah. where it's just like. That looked crazy. The it looked like they were from you know another century when they were in the Brisbane gallery. Oh, Brisbane cool. Like in this, you kind of look like this must have been from you know 1300 BC when they were doing yeah. something. <laughs> That's, That's great, awesome like, to hear. Yeah. yeah, I like that. Um, cool. Yeah. I'm happy with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is that like? Do you think that's intentionally? Like, do you look back at um, historical ceramics and, and draw inspiration from that? Because mm -hmm. it definitely seems like there's this yeah. like always existed thing that's been around for like centuries this kind yeah of stuff too. i i that's one of my aims i guess is to for the finished piece to look like it's always been like that um hard to it's hard to qualify like what what makes that so yeah um yeah. i think it's just something that like you you can you can see it and be like it looks mm. looks like it should be like that you know yeah. like it looks like that's what about the um, glazes you use? Are they like? Have you gone down the road of using very, very old glazing techniques and anything no. like that? It's just no, been... it's more of um, it's more of how the end result looks. Um, and I'm not real. I mean, glazing you could study that for like yeah. fifty years and mm. not and not know yeah. everything about it. Um, so what I what I like to do is just kind of like have a few glazes that I know really well. Yeah. I know what how they're going to react in the kiln. Mm. I know they're, how they're going to react layered over top of each other. Yeah. Um, and for now, I stick with with those. Yeah, definitely that dark one is is has something I see you use a lot. Definitely. Yeah, what yeah. Are you putting that one in there as well? Yes, yeah. So that one I'm planning on having it um, be that metallic black. Mm. Um, and that's really. Um, it's a pretty simple glaze. It's just a black glaze with um, a manganese oxide oh, yeah. painted over top, and then that oxide melts in the kiln when it's fired to twelve eighty yeah. um, Celsius and um, creates that almost gunmetal 
like metallic Shimata, black. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. Which I really like. It can be kind of tricky because it melts. If it's thick on, it can melt and run and stick to the bottom of the oh, right. kiln. And that's not good. Yeah. <laughs> that can ru ruin your work. Yeah, definitely. Um, but uh, yeah, that's about application and yeah, like yeah. figuring that out and making sure that you're, do you're doing it thinner at the bottom and then you can uh, yeah, pile it on up top because it's not going to run down that mm. far. Yeah. The, the, the kiln's downstairs, is it gas or is it electric? It's electric. Oh, it's electric. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I've never done gas firing. It's a whole different beast. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. I've done a couple of wood so firings with that. people. Oh, right, wood firing. And it's cool. really fun. Yeah. Um, but it's a it's lot like of event. work. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You've got to spend, like, a few days Yeah. yeah. doing it. And yeah. it's shift, in shifts as well because you've got to keep the fire going. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Friend, the, the only time I've ever been uh, throwing pots uh, was a good friend of ours. Her father and mother and father are both ceramicists. So okay. we went down and they have a, a, basically a teaching school down there. Um, oh, and that's it's like, awesome. It's just, yeah, it's just in like their backyard. It's very casual. And yeah. he wants to build a wood-fired one. So he's asked all of us that have done it before to try and go down and like do the whole thing. But... Uh, I haven't had the chance to go down there, but oh. it's definitely... Well, even just, like, before you do the firing, like, building the kiln yeah. is, like, yeah. insane, like, Yeah, so you, you have to build a full... I didn't know I was <laughs> build a full kiln. I think you might have built the full kiln, yeah. but maybe I will yeah. be building the kiln. So, I know we have to go down for a long time. Yeah. Not a long time. But yeah. Just, so there's a lot of different... It's, it's just a cool... Um, yeah, it's, it's a whole other world. Like, there are a lot of different... Um, kiln designs for mm. wood firing to get different results and like there's like kilns that you can so it's all about like airflow and, yeah. and things like that and um you can you can build design and build a kiln that will fire in uh, 10 hours Whoa. and then they it would be a very small kiln because you yeah. have to heat up that whole yeah, yeah. chamber and then there are kilns like um they're called like train kilns or something yeah. and like they're like really huge and long wow. and they take like a week to fire wow yeah how long do you fire these things for so these um in the electric kiln um they go through two firing processes and yeah. um, the first one um this is, this biscuit firing, biscuit firing. Yeah. yeah so i wait till the pieces are totally dry mm. um so that's called uh, bone dry um and then pop it in the kiln put it for a biscuit firing which um it uh, it turns into ceramic, but it's still porous. Yeah. So it's not vitrified. Yeah. So okay. it can uh, it can absorb the glaze. Uh, yeah. And like uh, any moisture that you put on it, like the oxide, which mm. is like mixed with with water, and that's how I paint it on. Oh, okay. Um, that gets absorbed into the clay, and yeah. and um, the reason why you would biscuit fire it first instead of just like glazing the raw clay is that it it does ha uh, become stronger. And it can, you know, it can take, like, you can lift it, it can take its own weight. Whereas if you tried to lift something like that when it was bone dry, it would, just like, collapse itself. yeah, disintegrate probably, like. <laughs> um, and that's why it's so tricky getting them into the kiln. Yeah. Very delicate yeah. <laughs> procedure. Um, so, yeah, the biscuit firing goes up to, um, I fire up to, like, 990 oh, degrees yeah. Celsius. Um, and then that takes about 12 hours and yeah. then it has to cool down which yeah. takes about another 12 hours yeah to cool down to like room temperature again yeah because you don't like open it up you just leave it on and then you just no turn it off. there are um there are 
crazy firings like a uh, raku where you take oh, yeah. it out when it's like red hot mm. and put it in like combustible material like sawdust yeah. newspaper yeah, and right. stuff um, but that's a really uh, intense like volatile firing process you can get a lot of like pieces that crack yeah, from yeah. the thermal shock yeah, yeah so exactly. for this kind of thing you know you let it cool all the way down open up the kiln glaze it and then put it back in and fire it again to 1280 degrees mm. Celsius. And that's, and that's when it becomes stoneware. Yeah, and yeah. how long does that stoneware go for? How that's a quicker firing, um, which is kind of counterintuitive, but the reason why the biscuit firing is slow is because um, you don't want the, even though it's the clay is bone dry, there is still a little moisture yeah. in the clay. It's mm. not until you fire it um, uh, before all the, all the moisture comes out of the clay. Yeah. So you want to fire it very slowly so that the moisture has time to escape the clay um, at a rate where it won't like expand really fast and explode. Yeah, oh, so, so when, you, when you're saying up to 990, it takes 10 hours to get there, it gets 12 there, hours, yeah, hours like 10 there. to 12 hours. And then, um, and then you turn it off, so it takes 12 hours to reach 990, yes. so it's not a rapid. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, so it's yeah. a very slow um, temp temperature build. Mm. Um, yeah, basically, so that it doesn't explode. Mm. So. For example, like the, the pieces I'm making now, they have quite thick, uh, that's solid clay, like yeah. one inch thick, you know, um, and that retains a lot of moisture. It takes yeah. a long time for that to dry out completely. Mm -hmm. um, and if you put that in a kiln and, and you know, ramped it up to 300 degrees in, in an hour, um, it would explode. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. The the moisture would escape the clay so fast and, and evaporate so fast that the clay would explode. Yeah. So you have to give it a really long time so that it doesn't explode. And um, yeah, so then after the second firing is done, um, or after the first firing is done, sorry, the second firing can do a lot quicker because there's not really no, any moisture, moisture yeah. left yeah. in the clay. Yeah. Yeah, aside from the glaze, but that dries really quickly. Yeah, yeah. 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 In comparison to the solid bit of clay. Exactly. That, yeah. Was that process like a little bit of a challenge? Like where you first time you did scary. it, you were like, uh, very scary. Or did you I, just like let it go for a really long time the first time? Um, no, that so the the kiln that I have it came with like a um, guide. Yeah, um, like a so. recommendation, yeah, like a firing okay. schedule. But I did have um, uh, my pottery teacher at the time come over and help me do it like I was oh, so right. afraid of messing it up yeah because there's just a little there's just a little like um, temperature control computer um, mm. which is awesome because like older kilns don't have that and you have to like yeah make sure make sure you're like doing it manually yeah. um, but I just had no idea what I was doing and I was like this doesn't make any sense to me and um, the the firing schedule is really important the timing is really important and it's something that you, I mean, now it's fine and I'm, I've learned how to do it. And yeah. so I, I can set different firing schedules depending on what I'm firing. Um, but yeah, starting out, it was like real intimidating. It's like kind of scary because like, it's like it gets up to 12, to like 1,280 degrees. Yeah. I'm like, does the outside, you don't feel it so much. I know the gas ones are very loud, like, yeah, they can be very loud, yeah. but that, that one doesn't it, make a noise. No, it doesn't make any, it doesn't, it, it clicks. the house or not really? Oh, click. Uh, it, yeah, it clicks when you, um, when you're, when it's like, um, ramping up. Yeah, ramping up.
Um, it this spot under right above the where the kiln is. Yeah. You stand there. You can feel a little bit of warmth, okay. but it really the the thing is so well insulated that yeah, you yeah. can't really mm. you wouldn't want to touch it when it's at twelve eighty. But <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. It's safer than the oven. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Are, yeah. yeah. So, uh, what have you got planned coming up? What is your sort of next steps now that you've yeah. had such a crazy year? What's, what's next <laughs> because year I've had such a crazy year. Um, I'm kind of just making whatever I want at the moment. I'm giving nice. myself a little bit of a break. Um, so I've recently um, gotten representation with a gallery in Melbourne, mm. uh, Sophie Gannon Gallery. And so I'm planning, um, well, starting to plan a solo exhibition with them next year. Yeah. So that'll happen later in the year, next year. Yeah. Um, I think I'll be doing Melbourne Art Fair, which oh, is yeah. cool, with yeah. them. And then I've recently um, been talking to a Brisbane gallery about representation as well. Right. Um, so that uh, I'll have two galleries, one in Brisbane, one in Melbourne. And um, they've told me that that will take up all of my time. So yeah. I'm fine with that. That yeah. sounds really good to me. Um, I'd love nothing more, honestly, than to just like be in the studio making that stuff all day and yeah. leaving the um, more of the admin stuff to to them like selling wise yeah. and like customers and things like that yeah. so but yeah. it, it'd be really good yeah. yeah and are you gonna how do you think your your ceramics is gonna evolve you were saying earlier that it's gonna probably get a little bit more exaggerated yeah and you're still gonna be using repetition and the, the forms and stuff yeah that's kind of the direction is it or yeah you... for sure um and then i'd like to try making more uh sculpture so um, the work that I have in the Churchy um, National Emerging Art Prize, which is at the IMA, um, that is uh, just sculpture. It's not a vase or anything. There's yeah. no, um, there's no opening or anything mm, like that. It's like yeah. a completely enclosed piece. Um, so I'd like to maybe explore that a little bit more. Yeah, um, and then also want to see how I can display the work a bit differently. Oh right, interesting. Instead of just having it on a plinth. Yeah. yeah, maybe uh, making the display part of the work oh, wow. or, yeah, we'll see. I like it. I like yeah, it, yeah. Sounds interesting. Well, I think that's uh, it for today. Thank you Ooh. very much for speaking to us. Thank you so much. Thanks for the chat. It was great. And that's it for now. Thank you very much for listening in. I do just want to say thank you again to Nicolette for allowing us to invade her home for the day. We had a lovely time. Please do go and follow Nicolette and uh, Dean Swindell. And uh, I will leave a link to uh, both of their accounts in this description. And also please do go and check out the video that Dean has uh, edited for this episode. Anyhow, I guess that's it. See you next time.